Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast and episode 53. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. First, I want to start off with a happy new year, first episode of 2021. Super excited about another year of recording these really fun podcasts. And I thought what I would do as really kind of an interesting, fun way of kicking off 2021 is to have Nikki Kirk on, who, if for some reason you don't know, is my best friend, travel partner, roommate, and And most recently, in the last year, my business partner with Everything Rootless Living. But besides all that, I think she has a really unique story on how she started the digital nomad lifestyle and what she does to fund that lifestyle. But before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Nikki to the show. Nikki, how are you? I'm doing good. So this is uh, our first live interview. Well, it's not live. It's just in person. Normally, when I'm interviewing someone for the show, I'm not doing it face-to-face, and we happen to be in our RV doing this podcast. Now, one thing I want to say before we get into it is that, as you heard in the intro, unless for some reason you skip intros and don't find out who the guest is going to be on, Nikki is the co-founder, my business partner in Rootless Living. Now, I don't want to get into talking much about Rootless Living because I think we do that enough on the show, but I just wanted to make sure people understood that. That if you're enjoying the magazine, the content, um, that's all Nikki. She's the one sourcing those people when those contacts come in where people are like, hey, I have a story or she finds someone that she thinks we should be writing about. That's Nikki. If you are ever talking to someone on Instagram, that too is Nikki. Nikki's done all the social, growing our social channels. And, um, you know, I couldn't be happier with what's going on within our social media for this community. She's really the one running that. So just know that. And if you happen to like the layout of the magazine, that's all me. <laughs> well, that's not true. So I lay it out and then I let Nikki look at it and then she renovates it is probably the best way of saying it. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's move this over here. Let's change this color. Let's move that over here. I know a lot about Nikki and normally when I'm interviewing people, I don't. I mean, I know, might know some, but some people, I swear to you, the, as soon as I get on the call, I'm asking questions because I have no idea what the answer is. I pretty much know all the answers to these questions, but I still think it's a really cool story. So since I don't have to ask you when the idea came into play, let's go back to 2016. How do you remember the idea of traveling in an RV? How did that come to mind? How did you figure that out? I really can't remember, but we were watching Fixer Upper and just seeing how you could have like these crazy beautiful homes for nothing. And I was living in Los Angeles. I had lived there for 11 years. I'm originally from Oregon, but I moved down there for college and ended up staying Well, I had a really nice apartment, a really nice job, easy job, you know, money saved up, debt free. It was like, honestly, if I don't think if I had met you, I would have ever, I'd probably still be there. Anyways, that's besides the point. Surround yourself with good people who stretch you and grow you. So that's her way of saying it was my idea, basically, (laughs) without saying it was my idea. Yeah. So I think it was your idea. I just know we were trying to find like Texas, really, like all these places in Texas, which we still are kind of on that journey. But it just seemed like you could live anywhere and do your job anywhere. So why was I living in L.A.? I was like kind of doing what was expected of you and, you know, doing all the things, but not really fulfilled with my life. Still, something's kind of lacking or missing. Yeah, somehow the idea of RVing came about and I was like, that sounds cool. Sure. Obviously, I know my own story. Did you know that people full-time RV'd? Like, no, I had no idea. Right. And did you have any RV experience yourself, really? No. So growing up, my parents got this, like, truck camper, and it was used. And it I just remember it smelled, and I hated camp. I'm a tent camper all the way, and so I hated that thing. The thought of living in an RV was really weird. But, I mean, I had lived in a studio apartment in L.A., so I was like, I know I could do small spaces. 
So let's go through kind of the how you kind of fell in love with the rig that we currently have. Take us through the process, because if I remember correctly, and my memory is kind of shady, so you can help me. The idea was buying a used Class A and renovating it, which was kind of nuts because, again, <laughs> neither one of us had RV experience. Neither one of us had renovation of an RV experience. Is that what you remember? Yeah, I, we really wanted to use one because I had just recently gotten debt free for like the second time, but I really didn't want to go into a lot of debt. And so I was like, oh, we can just renovate one. I, we must have probably from watching Fixer Upper and renovate anything. So we were thinking of buying a used one and renovating it, but living in LA in apartments, condos, whatever, there's nowhere to park it and do that. So that kind of went out the window as soon as we walked into this one, which was new. And to be fair, if this one had been around used, I totally would have got a used one instead of new, but I do love it. I agree with that. I mean, I remember really going to, I think it was the California RV show in October of 2016. And I, I probably, I felt like this was the first fifth wheel I had ever been, like, I didn't know what a fifth wheel was. I know you've talked about that. Yeah, I had no idea. Everyone were, was truck campers and trailers, pull trailers. So I had no idea. And it's that actually, it was even called a fifth wheel. Yeah, and it's a different lifestyle, too, because we currently are in St. Paul right now in Nikki's hometown, and every other house has some sort of RV. But you're right, no fifth wheels. But it's travel trailers and Class Cs and truck campers. But everyone has one. Growing up in L.A., well, maybe they had them, but no one's parking them on right. their property. <laughs> like they're. I know they had them because when we had to find somewhere to store it, it was nearly impossible. And super expensive. Yeah. I don't know if we've actually talked about that story. We were panicking. Because when we purchased it, they were like, hey, you got to come get it. And originally, didn't they kind of tell we us? Tried, we tried. They acted there? like we could keep it there. But we tried to like, can, can, come on, it's just a month. Just keep it on your lot. <laughs> you could show it. Sell some other ones. No, we really bought it in April of 2017. But we didn't leave till June 1st of 2017. And just finding storage that month in Los Angeles. Ridiculously expensive and really hard to find. It was $600, which was literally half of my apartment rent. Which that was really cheap apartment rent. Yeah. So maybe that's why a lot of people in California don't have RVs the way they do here in Oregon. Okay. Take us through kind of your aha moment in regards to the fifth wheel. Because if I, again, I remember we were very much about class A's and that's the way we were going. That's the way you RV. That's the way Robin Williams RV'd. And I think you had the same experience I had when you walked into this. Yeah. So we, because you're tall, you're like a giant. So the travel trailers really weren't going to cut it. And so... We walked into a couple of fifth wheels. We actually walked around this one and you were like, look at that back garage. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then we went, I don't think we went in right away. It was probably people in it. And so we were walking around and then we came into this one. And the second we stepped in it, I was like, yep, this is the one. Like, this is easy because it has a step up living room that's totally separate from everything else. It's got the kitchen that's separate from everything else. And then the bedroom and bathroom and all that. But it was yeah, I don't, there's no nice way to say this. Personally, live in the RVs where everything is one hallway looking thing. I really liked how it was separate and it really does feel like a home. And when we actually brought it here, like a month after having it, all my family and neighbors were like, whoa, this is nicer than my apartment or house or whatever. And especially the fridge, for whatever reason, we have a massive fridge. <laughs> I will say that this place is nicer than both of our last residents in LA. I mean, we had nice places, but this is it really yeah. was a shocker. I, did, I didn't know, and that's what I was kind of trying to draw out of her. I didn't know they just made them where they really are condos on wheels. Yeah. I didn't know it was made that way. It's really nice. My apartment in L.A. was that classic, like, art deco where you've got the lime green kitchen tile with, like, weird yellow. And so this was, like, real nice. Actually, this is a question I ask people normally. So what kind of rig do you own, Nikki? So it's a Grand Design Solitude 2017 
375-RES. And if you didn't pick up on that, it's the same rig I own, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go back to work, because I think this is actually a really interesting story. 2017, you know you're leaving. What was your thought process? What were you going to do for work? Because obviously you couldn't continue to work there because that job requires you to go in. Yeah. So in 2016, when we started kicking around the idea, I was already in the process of just trying to grow and like grow my career and grow as a person, you know, asking for raises as a woman and, you know, just to be compensated with the mill in my industry were making all that kind of stuff. So I was really stretching myself, talking to mentors outside of work to kind of talk about how I could push. I mean, I met with HR which was so weird. I never would be that person just to talk about how do I ask my manager for a raise or promotion and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, I was already on that kind of path trying to grow my career. But when we started talking about going remote, I had already worked one day remote a week, which was awesome. And I loved it. I thought perhaps I could talk, I, you know, my manager and I got along really well. So I thought perhaps I could talk her into going remote full-time, but at the end of the day, the way that careers seem to be moving right now, or at least in LA where I was, is you have to kind of move companies in order to get a promotion, where when I was growing up and went to college, all I wanted to do was get in inside ground level and work my way up in a company. That was my whole like career path goals. That doesn't happen anymore. So I was looking around at other jobs that I could do that would be remote or the possibility of remote or just to move up in career and all of that. I had already kind of started that with the idea that I would be going remote or asking to it. I just kept saving money because I would love to be able to quit my job and not have to work for anyone else. So I had done affiliate marketing and so I actually was trying to bring on different clients. I had landed a client, but I didn't really want to do it at the end of the day. I didn't want to be on this RV travel trip and have to work nine to five. You know, I wanted to be out there exploring on this like grand adventure because I was not a risk taker at all. I did what was expected. I did all, checked all the boxes of what you're supposed to be doing, was totally unhappy. I guess it looked good on paper. I don't know. So I just really was wanting to be kind of free in not having any responsibilities or anyone to answer to. So if I can dissect what you said, <laughs> um, you basically had a really good job. It was paying you well. You, yes. You spent a lot of time working your way up, transferring from different companies. It is sad that for those who do want to get at the ground level and work your way up, it's not just that. It's that these companies don't respect the people that are within the company. They would bring someone in, even with lesser skills. There's something about the newness of a new person. I don't know what it is with mm -hmm. these managers, but I agree with what you're you're saying there. So you saved up some money. And if I recall it, it was kind of like you were going to take a little bit of a vacation. I couldn't remember if it was like 30 days or 60 days, but you needed a break. You were like, I, I did college, worked full time. I just need a break and I'll figure out what I'm going to do next on the break. Is that true? Or did I make that Yeah. Up? So right before we left, I found out about selling on Amazon. And so I had bought a training for that, but I had no, I had, I think I want to say it was three or six months of savings. I can't remember, but I had a good amount of savings. to so allow myself to be able to figure something out on the road that would make money. I really, it's funny. I don't know how to say this meeting you. And you're like just this entrepreneurial spirit and being able to do all these things really help push me and stretch me to do take these chances of things. I don't know. You make me cry. It's awesome. It's kind of funny because it, I've inspired you and, and we'll get to the story. You've kind of eclipsed me in your own business, which is cool. That was the goal. <laughs> yeah, it's, always, <laughs> it's always the goal with you. Wasn't that like your goal when you were working corporate? Wasn't well, it? Well, to, to be fair, I just wanted to show you that it could be done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but wasn't your goal at corporate to, if you have, 
you had a, an interesting kind of salary goal back when you were working for corporations. What was that? I didn't actually know exactly what my dad made, but I had an idea of it. And I always wanted to make more than him. I just thought like that would be a fun goal to be obviously younger than he was making this amount of money. So I was always trying to work my way up into like, I would always text him, oh, I got this salary now. What's yours at, dad? Like, <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, both my parents were television producers. I gave up that goal a long time ago. <laughs> but okay, so let's get into the fact that you literally jumped out of the plane without really a parachute. There was really no plan. I mean, you kind of had this Amazon idea, but you hadn't done it. You didn't know if it would work. Yeah, I feel like it was, I want to say I read a blog of like remote things you can do or something like that. And one of them was selling on Amazon. And I had known about it because I'd actually done it when I worked, when I first moved to LA, I worked at the Virgin Mega Stores, like at the corporate level. We got all these free books, magazines, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things they sent over was these books on CD, which you know, people drive a lot. And so they used to listen to books on CDs before podcasts. So I was selling those on Amazon and it was pretty easy. They were light. You would just ship them. But I had no idea about FBA or the fact that you could go into a Walmart or TJ Maxx and buy something and turn around and sell it on Amazon, which is called retail arbitrage. And so FBA is fulfilled by Amazon. So when I found out about all that, I was like, I love shopping. I could do that. And so that kind of took off from there. Did you feel it was like when you were explaining it to me back then, I felt it was kind of scammy. I felt like this can't be real. It seems but, weird. Right. But, <laughs> but I was also like, okay, so what, you're going to a big, you know, box store, Walmarts and Targets, and you're buying stuff and you're reselling. I'm like, why aren't they just selling? It was like my thought. So in my mind, this isn't real. This isn't, you can't make money doing this. And obviously you can, and we'll get into that. But you found out pretty quickly, it was hard actually. Oh, yeah, it was really hard. So I took my sweet time because I was on this adventure in the RV and traveling everywhere to like all these different states. I wish I knew how many states I'd been to before this, but I feel like it was like Florida, California once while I was living there, but before in like the Northwest where I'm from. But so it was I always wanted to see all these different states. So when we went to uh, when we went to Utah, which is still one of my favorite states, it was like. I want to go explore and see all these parks and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to be tied down to having to work, which is what I saved all that money for. So all that to say that I took my sweet time doing the training that I had purchased, which other people do in like a week, and it took me three months. Now, full disclosure too, the idea wasn't to go long-term full-time. We kind of discussed maybe going full-time for about a year and then actually finding standard jobs, you would say, in an area that we wanted to move. That was So mm -hmm. it was almost like... I've got my savings and I just need to find something to kind of buffer until we kind of land, which obviously we haven't land. And FBA, fulfilled by Amazon, retail arbitrage, it actually really took off for you once you kind of got into your groove with it. Yeah. So in the beginning, if you've ever tried it or you know about it, it is really hard. And most people will give up in the first six months because it is really hard and you have to scan everything. So when we're in Utah and I was doing the training, while I didn't, I don't think I'd actually like fully done it. I was out there scanning. I remember scanning in St. George and this little like weird mom and pop outlet store, but I was scanning everything and I found my first random products, which was like one was a toilet bowl cleaner. One was like a car, like shade you put in the window. It was like random stuff, which is what I had been taught what you would be finding. And it's really hard when you're selling on Amazon because I'm mostly skating stuff I would never buy, but you have to get out of that kind of like mindset that other people do buy it. So I was scanning, 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 and it was really hard. But once I finally figured it out and started, you know, going, it was 
a no-brainer for me because I worked part-time then and I still work part-time. I go shopping one day and then I pack everything up the next day and that's literally two days a week I'm working and I really enjoy shopping, so that's fun. Now, when you say scanning, what do you actually mean by that? Because I think there are people that don't understand okay. what it is you're doing. Selling on Amazon, doing retail arbitrage, FBA. I basically have a seller account on Amazon and then with that is a free Amazon app. You really don't need any money to get started. You need obviously money for inventory and then like things like poly bags to pack all the stuff up, but you don't need a whole lot of money. People start with $200, $500. So you get the scanning app on your phone and then you literally go scan the barcodes or you can scan the front of it if the barcode doesn't pull up. Like I started, I think everyone starts, you just start scanning stuff in your house to see if it will sell or what it's going for just to kind of get the hang of it. So I'm going literally through like the coffee aisle at Walmart, scanning all the different coffees to see if any of them are actually profitable on Amazon. And you would be shocked that a lot of them are. It's pretty amazing what people will pay for, honestly. And so there's part of me that's like, this is not right, but I'm not forcing them to buy it. So, I mean, there's that. (laughs) Well, it's not that it's not that it's not right. It's the idea that Obviously, these box stores are selling stuff for so cheap. And, you know, granted, I think that not everyone can get to a Target or a Walmart. They're not everywhere. So for a lot of people, this is the only way they shop. But I think the one thing I've learned is that I thought Amazon sold everything on Amazon. That's literally what I thought going into it. I didn't realize that it was a solopreneur, just like yourself, that's out finding things to put online on Amazon that aren't really readily available so that if I live somewhere where I can't go to a Walmart, I can order. Yeah, I'm paying a, a little extra for it. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not driving and going to Walmart, which I'll pay a ton of money not to have to go to a Walmart. Funny, I actually answered this question in a video not that long ago because someone was like, why would anyone buy from you when they can just go to walk in a store and grab it? I was like, not even in a pandemic year. There's not Walmarts everywhere. And I know that's shocking if you're by a Walmart, but like even here, there's not a Walmart where I grew up real close by um, in LA, there's no Walmarts or maybe there is, I don't know where they're at. Um, so it's not like everyone has a Walmart. And then as to the why, personally, I'm saying like, before I went shopping at TJ Maxx for selling on Amazon, I only went to the clothing. I didn't realize they had all these other departments. So it's like, people just don't know what they don't know. And if you can find it on Amazon easily and get it two days. That was just my point that I want people to make sure they understand is that when you hear these conversations about boycott Amazon, they're making so much money. The majority of the sellers are just independent businesses. A lot of them are the maybe the mom and pop shop you want to go to is actually also selling on Amazon. So really, at the end of the day, unless Amazon's the seller, then maybe you could boycott that. But don't boycott (laughs) when you see a name, you know, and this isn't your seller name, but if you saw Nikki Kirk shop, that's who you're buying it from. Yeah, everyone wants to be outraged at Amazon and all that. And you don't have to buy from Amazon, but you can still, they're a platform just like Poshmark, just like eBay. And so we're paying a fee to be on that platform. But when everyone is shopping, I mean, I shop on Amazon all the time. Only now, when you can see, it's kind of hard to describe, but if you see it's like sold from DD's discount, which is the actual store. But anyways, it's the first thing that popped in my mind. So if it's sold by that... And ships from Amazon, then that's how you know it's FBA. But if it's sold from Amazon, ships from Amazon, that's Amazon themselves. Um, and there's so many different ways that you can do. I think you had the freeway flippers on and they do like the private label side of it. You could do wholesale if you can get a company to sell you their product. Um, but what I do is called retail arbitrage. So there's so many different ways to sell on Amazon. For other people, those other ways work. But for me, I love retail arbitrage. It's kind of addicting once you get your first sale and you see how 
frankly easy it is. It's not like easy money. I think people are selling people that it's like easy money. It's not easy money. It's 100%. It's work. You have to work it. If I stop working, my sales start slowing down. So it is work, but it's fun work for me. It fits me perfectly. I actually feel like I have a little bit of a benefit that I can shop everywhere because normally if you're in one town doing it, not that you can't do it, but once your local targets sell out of the product or TJ Maxx, you're not going to be able to easily find it again, whereas I can go to the next town and grab it and all that kind of stuff. So, But what I'll say is when watching you work, the downside is that you don't have like a dedicated room with boxes and your shipping material. I mean, it doesn't have to be a room. It could just be a corner of your house. But just, you know, when you live in an RV, you take everything out, you put everything away. I think running a business like this, it'd be nice to have like half a garage to set up to do this stuff. Because I want to get into this really quick because I didn't know about this, was FBM. I didn't realize this was a thing. And my favorite thing is what happens when you're in a store and you scan something. I mean, tell that little what happens oh, with yeah. FBM. It's so insane. So to me. because I'm in an RV, well, first of all, I don't think I, I don't know what I don't know. So I've only ever done it in an RV. So I don't know what it'd be like to have a dedicated space for it. I have a little cabinet where I keep all my poly bags and shipping tape and all that. I have an under bay where I keep all my boxes where I really just kind of buy what I need for that week from Walmart. Um, but so most of what I did is FBA and that's fulfilled by Amazon where I literally will go sourcing, buy it all one day, pack it up the next day and take it to the UPS store by me and just send it off. So I don't have to hold any inventory, which is so appealing. Obviously, if you're on the road and traveling, Amazon does all that for me. I don't have to do any of the customer service. I don't handle the returns, all that Amazon does that. But then there's FBM and what I've heard about, especially during like holiday season is that. FBM fulfilled by merchant or as I like to call it fulfilled by me is where I'm packing up the item and sending it you get your money a little faster it's usually Amazon is not taking as many fees but the thing about it which is hard in the RV is obviously the storage space so I try to do just like small lightweight things this year I was really getting into it I didn't really do it before this year and I will be in the store and I'm listing them right from my phone to sell on Amazon and they're literally selling out of my cart before I've even gone through the checkout aisle so I, I want people to hear that again because I know we have a lot of people that are thinking about remote or thinking about like like entrepreneur kind of work or a side hustle even. She'll scan something that she hasn't purchased and it sells before she gets to the checkout, which means then you just come back to the rig, you throw it in an envelope or a box and you ship it that day to the person. But it, that's like a, almost a no risk in a way. Well, yeah, it was crazy. Some of them I would be like, oh, I'm just going to list six of them. And then I'm in the store and I have to go back and get the rest of them because they already sold out. So that's fun. I mean, that's not like, I don't want to say you should expect that all the time, but it is really fun when it happens. <laughs> yeah, especially if it is kind of a, a hot item. But I, my mind was blown. Just as kind of a business owner, entrepreneur, I was like, that's insane. There's like really no risk. You talked about training and getting started, what were some of the obstacles you saw? Because you kind of took your business a different route this last year. Yeah, so I've been selling on Amazon as my main income for, you know, three years, three and a half years we've been RVing. But then this year, well, actually it started last year in 2019, probably early 2019. But I was just talking about selling on Amazon on my Instagram account, like just sharing, you know, this is how much I estimate to do in profit this week, um, you know, and I'll share my hours and how many hours it took, which is usually under 20 hours a week between packing and all that. So I was just kind of sharing it and then people were asking about it. And then I got this like little group of people who were struggling as new sellers, knowing what to buy. Like I said, it's really hard when you start knowing what to buy. So I created this Bolo group on Facebook, which is just be on the lookout where we're literally sharing 
profitable items we're finding in store this month. So I'll literally go out and so literally as I'm in store, I'll go and share items in the group of what I'm finding. So it's got a little bit of requirements. But anyway, so I just started that as a way to help new sellers. Um, because when you're starting out on Amazon, you are gated in a lot of things, meaning new sellers can't sell toys. They can't sell like lotions and some of the major brands you can't sell when you're starting out. And some of the big ones like Star Wars or Lego, you can never sell without getting ungated. And ungated just means you that restriction is off of your account, you can now sell them. Because of that, I was really pushing towards like, I'm going to share things like home items, kitchen items, pet items that new sellers can share and sell in the group. From that group, so that was, I think it was in May of 2019, I started that. I mean, there was like maybe 10 people just trying to help people who were getting started, who I had encouraged, but were struggling. And so I was trying to help them seeing how everyone was gated and I'm like sharing these things and half the people in the group are gated. So then I started, you know, I put together a guide to help these people get ungated the same way that I had got ungated. And so from there I started the ungating guides, but the really like the good part of it is the Facebook groups. So it was like a handful of people who were doing the guides, but it's just an ebook guide. So it didn't have a Facebook group and I was answering a lot of questions or people were asking and I was like, you know what? Would it be helpful if I created another Facebook group, you know, dedicated to this process where you can talk to other sellers? They all said, of course, yes. So that became a part of the guide. And it just kind of blew up from there. Like I now have three different Facebook groups of Amazon sellers. A lot of people are in all three. Some are just in the one that, you know, beneficial for their business, but they're all helping each other. And like someone commented the other day, like there's no drama in this group. There's nothing worse than a Facebook group with drama. And they're all just like-minded, helpful sellers. So it's been really fun. But I think what I was most impressed with with a Facebook group in and around like the items, I feel like that takes a lot of the scanning, searching out of it. If you can go to your local Walmart and you're in this group that's showcasing like mm -hmm. good deals, now you're just going and looking for those good deals. Oh, yeah. It cuts your shopping time way down. It actually helps me a lot. So, I mean, it's crazy how many items I found. From there, so how we, this competition started is – before the road to 1,000, you were like, I'm going to do vlogs, and those never happened. And so I was, was like, three of them. Three really so good I was vlogs. like, I'm going to do vlogs. So I started doing travel vlogs on YouTube just to be like, see what can happen if you actually video in YouTube. Um, that's how much of a YouTuber I am. I don't even think I'm saying it right. But <laughs> so on the YouTube. So I was like, get on the YouTube. <laughs> I was just doing travel vlogs, and then I decided, I think after you had done the road to 300 at the time, you were kind of doing those consistently, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do where I do one video, because it was sporadic at best. I'll do one video um, a week, and so I started doing one video a week, and then I was like, oh, I think I'm getting all these questions I can answer another video, like I'll throw in. So it grew actually this year in 2020 to three videos a week, which was kind of a lot, but <laughs> so it all started back then to like show you what's possible if you just YouTube. <laughs> which was funny because I was YouTubing. <laughs> and um, I just wasn't doing it in a way to grow a channel. She set out to really grow a channel. And, and, and really what happened was in no, a way. No, not really. Well, you were doing kind of the, the things that were in and around your life that people are looking for. You're doing an RV cooking show. You're doing the traveling kind of stuff. And then you would throw in like a business. Oh, every one. once in a while I would throw in some Amazon. Yeah. And it, it, the, so it was almost like an accidental success on YouTube in a way because the, the content shifted to Amazon. Yeah. Where that's where you were noticing the most engagement and people were really getting excited. And I've seen a lot of the comments. You'll show them to me every once in a while where it's, 
you're helping change people's lives. So that kind of content just obviously. Yeah, I really like to help people back, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a nurse. So that's just kind of helping people has always been what I like to do. I hated my voice, like hated it. So I can't even believe that I did those first YouTube videos. That's how much I wanted to one up you. <laughs> I've gotten over it now, but it is still weird when you're editing, watching yourself 500 times. But I haven't gotten over it. She's completely one up <laughs> me. So. <laughs> Like 10 up me, I think, technically. <laughs> so um, I don't think I answered whatever. I don't even know what your first question was. Okay, so now you've got this YouTube channel. You're creating content in and around kind of the Amazon life, but you're still doing some travel vlogs here and there, or at least mm -hmm. letting people. And I like the vlogs too. I'll call it a vlog, even though it is like content in and around Amazon. Is you take people shopping with you so they can see kind of the whole experience and understand it. Was this content available when you were getting started? Do you remember people well, making that's videos? that's the thing about me. So I don't actually watch YouTube unless I'm trying to learn something, right, right. like how to do something. I know there's like Reezy Resells. That's literally probably the only one I know by name. There's all these different, the Freeway Flippers. Right. There's all these different YouTube channels around it. But I don't actually watch them, which I think I like actually, because then I don't know what other people are doing or totally. like compare myself. Um, but I'm literally just answering questions that I see come up or that people ask me. And so it might not be the most entertaining, but people have said they're very helpful. And so that makes a lot of fun. I really like the ones where I go out shopping and take people sourcing with me, but it is, I'm literally sourcing. So it is a lot of work to do. It's like a double. That's probably what my days are like 12 hours lately, but it's a lot of fun. And I think that's one thing that people, I mean, again, I don't watch the YouTube necessarily. I want to say they're all really selling, but I don't know. Are they really selling or are they just talking about it? So I'm literally doing it. You're literally going along with me. Um, I share my numbers on my channel all the time. I want to keep it real because, I mean, how much you make, that's a question. How much can you really make doing this? It depends on how much you work and how much you want to do it. If you want to do it as a side hustle, I do it as a side hustle. I mean, technically it's part-time hours, but I'm making full-time income. I'm making the amount of money I was making full-time. So for me, I'm just one person. You know, I split the bills. So there's that too. But if you have a family, all that, it might just be another income to get out of debt or buy the house or whatever it is that you need to do. Or there's a lot of families who do it together, husband, wife, team, and that's all they do. And, you know, it's just the freedom if you, for me, it's the freedom to work when I want. I don't have to answer to anyone except for Amazon sometimes. But <laughs> but I, I do remember you saying that you kick yourself that you weren't doing it while you were working full time because oh, yeah. it's something you could have done on lunch breaks. You yep. could have done after work obviously all on the weekend. So it is it is something that someone could transition to, whether or not they'd say, hey, I'm going to go full-time uh, FBA or retail arbitrage. It's probably a good idea to kind of slow into it unless you just have a ton of money to buy inventory. Yeah, so now knowing what I know now, it would have been a lot better to have that full-time income and have the money instead of pulling savings money to just be putting into it. And I think that's a, what a lot of people do actually is they'll start as a side hustle or a stay-at-home mom will start it and then with the goal to, you know, just help her family out with income or whatever. But um, the crazy thing is that you would think that this year would be harder, but this year I'm the new sellers are doing so like better than I did three years ago. It's crazy. And if you're thinking about doing it, now is really the time to kind of get into it. Especially from a side hustle standpoint. I mean, there's no reason not to have different sources of income to diversify your portfolio. So let's talk about how you've diversified kind of, we've, we've mentioned some of them. So you have the actual, you're out going out and doing retail arbitrage. Mm -hmm. You have the YouTube channel that got monetized this year because you hit the subscriber rate and the watch hours, which I was actually really surprised because in the scheme of things, it's hard to grow a channel 
and to get it monetized and, and make the kind of money you were making and just know what I know from other YouTubers that have channels your size, they weren't making what you're making, which is interesting. And you've hinted at the guides mm-hmm. and then obviously the, the groups. So watching your business kind of grow, I've seen you go from FBA or retail arbitrage to then talking about it and making videos to help answer questions so you don't have to answer them one at a time and watching that channel grow. Now, what I think people would be surprised is most people look at YouTube channels and think you need to have like a massive amount of subscribers to make a good living. I don't want you, you don't have to get to like the specifics financially. When did you become monetized? How many subscribers do you have today? And what does an average month look like? Is it a side hustle money? Is it part-time money? Is it full-time money? What does that look like? So for those of you who don't know, to get monetized on YouTube, you actually need to have a thousand subscribers, which is really hard to hit. And then also 4,000 watch hours, which is super hard to hit. So that's a lot of videos people have to be watching. So you have to have good content. So anyway, so I hit the thousand subscribers in March of 2020 and I didn't actually get monetized till the very end of June. So it took a while to I hit the subscribers and then I finally got monetized. I think as of today, my subscribers are at 9,500. I'm really bad with numbers. I said that right, right? <laughs> so hopefully I'll get to 10,000 soon, which is kind of crazy. And I know this is kind of besides the point, but I've been making all these little notes that I want to remember because all this to me is just crazy that anyone's watching my videos, that they're helping people. Like that's just, it's been a crazy like time. So I've been taking notes of, oh, this is the day I hit this number and this number and this number. And all because I just want to be able to like look at it and remember this. I don't know why. And just No, I think it is smart. I always want to ask. That's why I'm asking it here. I think people want to hear like how long something takes to work. And, and I don't know if your goals were ever to make money necessarily on YouTube. I think it was just more of this is the platform I can use to answer the questions. But so real quick though, on the income from AdSense. Oh, what are you, are you making like? It's averaging to about two thousand five hundred a month. Twenty five hundred dollars. I want to uh-huh. make sure you do that right because you are funny with numbers. <laughs> yes. Two thousand five hundred, which yeah. is full time work in some parts of the country, part time work in others. And yeah. how, just real quick though, in a week, because you were at the time doing three videos a week. How much time do you think you spent a week creating these videos? It takes me. So I do write them. If you've seen them, they are written. Um. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, so it takes me. I usually write two or three at a time. So I'll sit down for like, it takes me like two or three hours to write down the videos. And then it takes me another, maybe four hours. I'll do it the next day usually, or the same day depends. And then I'll film three videos. So maybe a day altogether, eight hours. Okay. So you've got two days. Oh, but that's not editing. Right. That takes another two days. (laughs) Okay. So it sounds like you got two days into FBA and you've got two days into your videos. But what you've learned from the videos is how much it really drives your community on your other sales, both the Facebook groups and the guides. Yeah. So pretty early on, um, I have, hi Heather. I don't know if you're going to listen to this, but she emailed me pretty on. I think I had maybe a thousand subscribers or something. She was like, Oh, I'm so excited. I found your channel early and blah, blah. And she actually, you can join channels. I didn't know. It's kind of like Patreon and YouTube. And she was like, do you have this? Let me know when you have it. And then some, how I got it. So I was like telling her about it, but she's been, she's just been like my cheerleader of like, seeing the potential in me, I guess. It's kind of nice. When I started out and I didn't have a lot of subscribers, some of the Amazon platforms would reach out to me or like softwares or whatever to do things. 
I had already done this on my Instagram. I'd done the whole company pitching, all that kind of stuff where you get paid to post and all that. I knew about it and I was like, you know what? If you want me to do a video, it's going to be this amount. And they would always say no, but it was really funny and because I had all these guide sales and I was like, they're underestimating the power of the audience because I'm making a lot more money than I'm asking you to sponsor this video. P.S. None of my videos are sponsored at all. I know yours is really great. I mean, this whole thing is you're talking about kind of taking control. You've taken control of all this to the point where you're not really relying on advertisers or sponsors which is a it is what a lot of people aspire to get and sometimes it's the one where that's more work than just you know kind of working oh, yeah. for yourself and it's the, a lot of work yeah and then you gotta like the result it's not really in some cases it's not worth it but i just wanted to point that out to answer your question was that so i've got the youtube channel which people might look at and be like oh that's nothing but on the back end of it where i've got all these people who are buying my guides who are they are helping like the guys are helping and all of that so it's just you know what people see and what is actually real is two different things yeah and it really is a true funnel because and again this is just from our conversations when you have a week of videos you notice an uptick in both the guide sales if you mention it and talk about it or the bolo groups the facebook groups if you mention and talk about those so th- i mean really that's how you've been driving your mm-hmm. sales in both of those without the youtube Right. Are you successful in guides and in these groups? Probably, but Mm -hmm. not, not, oh, not at all. You don't think? I'm not really good with all the SEO and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I think it all really comes from YouTube. And it is, I mean, clearly you are good at SEO because people are searching for these things. They're just finding it in video, basically, which I think a lot of people don't understand. Google is the most searched, basically, domain. YouTube is the second most. Mm -hmm. It's always tied with, like, Facebook, where people search stuff. I think Facebook is literally the worst place to go to to ask for advice, unless it is in a very kind of (laughs) monitored and, like, structured group. If it's not, if it's just, like, a free-for-all, like, don't go to any RV groups. (laughs) They're scary. Okay, so you started doing the guides. You'd never made guides, written books, anything of that nature. And what was the motivation? I mean, there, there are people making guides. What was your motivation to make a guide? Really, everything just came out of like naturally people asking questions and asking for it. So I'm going to make a, you know, a beginner how to get started thing. And that's literally from probably long overdue, but from people asking for it. Um, And I'm just like, I don't know, my account's sold. So I'm going to open a brand new account and we're going to do it together and figure it out. (laughs) What I do like about you two is not the band. I meant you as well, (laughs) is that you see this phenomenon going on where uh, the example I like to use is people will write a book on how to write a book. Mm-hmm. And that's their first book. I think that's nuts. I think you actually have to do stuff and learn it and get like into the grind of it to really understand it, which you did. You didn't, you didn't come out in 2017 and say, Hey, I'm going to start teaching FBA. Cause I've done it a week. I've done it a month. I've done it six months. You did it for a while and just tried to find people in the community and those people in the community started asking you questions. Mm-hmm. You started creating content. You got more questions. There's a video. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of it's actually one that's got more views. But recently, someone was like, "Are you? Did you put your Amazon fees in there?" And I literally didn't put my Amazon fees into that cost equation because I'm just doing it as I go. This is, I'm just a normal person <laughs> trying to help making mistakes. I was like, "Oh shoot!" That's funny. I mean, but that is, you're, you're, you're learning as you go and you weren't, you, you don't come at it from a, I'm an expert because you oh, always, I am not an expert. Right. But you I'm are, just a person doing it. Right. <laughs> which I think is a great way to teach it while you're doing it. Now, again, I've, I've never asked people on the show to get into exact numbers, but the YouTube channel is making part-time money for most people, full-time for some, I understand, depending where you're from. 
the Bolo Group, if I remember the numbers, you're making more money just in the Bolo Group than you were making when you worked for a large tech company. Oh, yeah, probably double. Okay. And then your guide sales, it's actually really insane how well she's doing. And everything's really fairly fair priced. It's not like... yeah. I did it for new sellers because I had, I didn't want to waste all my money starting. And so I had really limited funds, which is how almost everyone starts. So I priced it. Actually, the Bolo group had to go up in price a couple of times because it was getting too popular and I didn't want all of the, you know, riffraff. It's still, I'm pricing it for new sellers and what I think it's actually worth. Um, But I'm not trying to take your money in any kind of way. It's literally, I put my time and effort. These guides have been updated three times now, but yeah. So it's a lot of work it's and it's priced. not it's not passive income. I think people talk about no. that. It, one thing really quick that I find really interesting is that you've turned away a lot in the sense that you have to remove people from the group when they're not, you know, obviously participating. Oh, yeah. Um, you probably could sell your guides for a lot more than you sell them for. You could probably sell the Bolo group for a lot more than you sell it for easily. You could. It's I've noticed and watched you struggle between the how much do I sell it for where it keeps it at a certain level with a certain amount of members because if you drop the price, you probably could have thousands of members, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't be good for anyone. It'd be good for you. Yeah, I don't want to – I really don't like when people come and leave after a month. And I get, you know, we're all it's – a, it's a business expense. We're running businesses. I don't ever take any of it personally except for some of the hate mail. But I like – it's just – a. it's the same as if I have to buy, you know uh, – poly bags. It's a business expense. It's part of your software, whatever. So it's that part of it. And it doesn't make sense for everyone. But if I had it to where anyone can kind of join and it's super cheap and then people will come and take the leads and then lower the price. There's a whole lot of Amazon stuff that goes on in the background. And I only want really good quality people there. And so, yeah, sometimes I like kick people out of the group and then they get all mad. And Well, they, let's be fair. They kick themselves out. You just have to remove them because they're just not doing what they're supposed to. And yeah. again, if you didn't pick up on it, because sometimes when you're you're in it, you talk kind of the tech talk. When you're not in the industry like I'm not, I can kind of say it in a way that maybe makes sense to everyone. It's basically a group where you're sharing the things that you're finding so you don't have to spend the time looking. You, If someone's like, hey, the ABC widget, you can buy it for five and it's selling for 20. You go into the Walmart, you find the ABC, you have what it looks like, you have the scan code, you have all that. Mm-hmm. You go in, you find them, you grab a bunch, and now you're making money, which is huge. The guides... Um, I've seen you evolve and grow those. And again, it, it's funny how it just comes from questions mm-hmm. being asked where someone's like, Hey, do you guys know how to do this? And you're like, Hey, I'll put it on paper. I'll spend the hours putting on paper, step-by-step instructions. But then obviously I want to be compensated for putting in those hours. Right. So it's not passive in that way, but it is passive in the way that when you take an eight hour drive, you're making money without doing anything. Yeah. You wake up in the morning, sales have been done. So that's great. All right. So we've got the, the business going, um, and it, it's really evolved on its own. It's really cool. I've been super proud watching you. It's been amazing to watch your journey, especially in 2020 um, and what's going to happen in 2021. So we've talked about a little bit about the travel, obviously, with the RV. We went in a little in-depth in work because there was just part of me I want to make sure everyone understood that I think a lot of people, what holds them back is the idea of what will I do for an income while on the road. You know, I, I just think it's a good example of someone that basically had a few months worth of savings and said, I'll figure out when I'm on the road and was able to in a way that it's it's actually turned out to be bananas now. And then let's talk about Explore a little because you did kind of talk about it. But I want to mention one thing. If you do go on the road and you love the idea of I'm not going to be where I have to answer to someone. Don't have a roommate that has to answer to someone because it really restricts. 
the opportunity for you to go out and explore it. Because in the beginning of this trip, I worked for someone and I had to work uh-huh. Monday through Friday, nine to five, and we just had to do things on the weekends. But when it comes to exploring, what are the things that you like to do? I really like to go see like little farm stands. Um, I was really excited when we went to New England. That was always like a bucket list kind of thing. I was really excited when we went to Texas. Sometimes I have to talk you into things because I was like, no, people park on the sand. They do it. It's fine. It'll be fine. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It was a lot of talking him into it. But where's your favorite place? Not the place you're talking about. <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I will say that. I think it is good. In, as much as she's talked about where maybe there were things that she saw in me that inspired. It's the same thing. There's times where I just, you know, I'm not interested in going. And then when we get back from the hike or the kayak or back when we had bikes, we go on a bike ride that I'm like, wow, that was really cool that I probably wouldn't have done. So you definitely need that. Well, the physical air. activities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take me away from my captain's chair. It's so comfy. Yeah. So I think we mostly like to go hike. Um, you like kayaking more than I do. I really enjoy just suntanning. No. <laughs> I do, but I like to, I, it's hard because we've been doing this so long. I feel like I've seen, I've obviously not seen everything, but it feels like I've seen kind of all my bucket list things. Basically sat at my desk all year, so. Yeah, no, this has been a crazy been year. Been working a lot this right. year. It's funny that it's like, I don't want to have to work a lot. I want to leave to now where you just work it a ton. But it is cool that we have worked and lived in 45 states in the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been amazing. What would you say has been, I don't know, let's even like top three and you don't have to put them in order, but what have been your top three states that you just really loved? I really like Utah, Texas. Um, So I'm from Oregon. I'm from the Northwest. And I always thought Idaho was like a bleh throwaway state. And when we went there, I was shocked how beautiful it is. And so I was like, oh, we got to come back here. But when we first started, because we were kind of going around your traveling like career, like where you needed to be for a traveling expo and all that so we were kind of rushing, and I forget how many states we did all at once, but we were... 17 in, like, 10 weeks. It was stupid. Yeah, everything was states. really scheduled, and yep. so we couldn't, like, extend our stay anywhere, really, because I was still very much a planner. I've only been more carefree and go with the flow this lately. But, um, so Idaho was a favorite, but we couldn't visit, and I think hopefully we can go back next year. We went to Oklahoma this year, which I was amazed how much I loved it. So I really like Oklahoma now. Um, that was another shocking one, the, specifically the Tulsa area, the, the greater Tulsa area. But because <laughs> Oklahoma is, City wasn't so yeah. great. <laughs> but, which is great because, like, Tulsa is a pretty decent-sized city. But, I mean, 30 minutes out, you're just in farmland. Yeah, you know it was I mean? really. Yeah. I really like the Boondockers Welcome Stays, where we get to, like, stay and people and kind of see how they live there. Because we did start this trip to kind of see where else in the country is more affordable to live. I would say I liked Vermont as much as I thought I would. It was gorgeous when we did New England. There's some states I have a strong dislike for. And, but other than that, right. everything is great. <laughs> you cannot mention your dislikes. We've learned that. People take it. People say the most terrible things about California. I could care less. It doesn't bother me. But, man, you say something about a state they love and they lose their <laughs> mind. So we will not talk about the dislikes. I've seen enough people make that mistake. Okay, well, with three and a half years on the road, there's got to be some highs and some lows. Let's start with the lows. What's been a big low on the road? There's not a lot of lows that are specific to living in an RV. Of course, you go through like emotional ups and downs as a human being. Um, so the, it was hard to think of one. And when I was going through my camera roll and I saw my cat in a hotel, I was like, oh, that's my low. Because we stayed in a hotel, the same hotel um, for 
almost feels like a month altogether, but for one part was because the RV needed fixed and that was like a week and a half. And then we got our solar installed and that was another week and a half. So while it's good things happening to the RV, that was always something I really dreaded since we moved into here is what happened if we have to move out, mainly because of the cats, but also one window in a hotel, I was going crazy after like four days. So that was, I mean, if it doesn't have a pool where I can tan out by the beach, I'm not really sure why I'm in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. And also too, you're not doing long stays like that. I kind of felt the same way too. I got a little stir crazy and I thought it would be really refreshing to kind of be, you know, where just you could use as much hot water as you want. You can run the AC 24 yeah. seven if you want to, but uh, it wasn't that. And, you know, it's got me worried about in the future if I'll be that way. If I ever did want to buy like a homestead, I think I'm always going to have to have wheels. Yeah. So if I get that way, I can go. But So what's been a what's been a high? What's been that? I can't believe this is my life moment. And I and for most people, there's quite a few. But if there's been one where it was like, I just can't believe this is my life. Um, I really enjoy when we park on the beach in the sand, uh, just getting waking up and going just sitting outside anywhere where there's lake or water has always been really great. Because I sell on Amazon, actually, it's a really big perk because I can keep sourcing the same thing over and over in different places where if I lived in one spot, it would be gone when I bought it. But yeah, I remember when we were in Magnolia Beach this year or 2020 that I went running and I don't know, I shouldn't have run that day. It was like really hot. And so as soon as I got back, I just like stripped into a bikini and went right into the water and just like soaked in the water. And that was like, oh, this is nice. I don't know if you should have used the word stripped. Into, but into I, a bikini. I, 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 no, it was, we've had. There were people there. In 2020, we have had numerous times, I want to say, where we were within 10 feet of water. Like yeah. we could literally walk out the rig and jump in kayaks within five feet or go soak in the Gulf for quite a bit because you really did have to kind of stay put and, you know, I mean, knock on fake wood here in the RV that we did have a lot of areas when we were trying to stay put that that's where we were, mm -hmm. which was great. So good lows and highs. I want people to be able to reach out to you. We'll segment it in, you know, two ways is if for whatever reason the uh, retail arbitrage has got them excited. And, and remember, if you're listening and you make your own product and you're not selling on Amazon, there's a lot of the same process to sell your own stuff is this, and then you can go do retail arbitrage on top of it from the same store, basically. But where can people find this kind of information? So my YouTube is just youtube.nikkikirk, N-I-K-K-I-K-I-R-K, -K -K or slash or whatever you do in there. And I'm working on a new seller training, like getting started from nothing. But honestly, you can do this with just the YouTubes that are already out there. I always suggest people, my Bolo group is very helpful, but if you're a new seller, you should go out scanning a couple of times first before you join, just because I don't want you to pay for something that you aren't going to end up using or be able to be part of. But everyone in the groups are super helpful. So you don't need a lot of money. You don't have to sink a lot of money into training. Um, but yeah, so... All my Amazon stuff is on YouTube or my website, which is horrible. Here we go. It's Nikki Kirk. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Nick Kirk. N-I-K-K-I-R-K. -K okay, here we go. My website is N-I-K-K-I-R-K-7, the number seven, dot com. Because that's what my Instagram is. And so I thought when I made it, that would be great. I'll probably be rebranding it, finding a new one. But for now, that's what it is. <laughs> I think there's a lot of you that can relate to that. When we set up our email accounts, like before there was social media, <laughs> this is what we did. And then we grabbed these usernames and we just didn't realize that at some point we might actually be selling stuff and have a brand and we need to make it easier for the brand. I actually own the domain without the seven. I just don't know how to switch everything over. Right. But um, anyways. <laughs> yeah, 
I would go to YouTube and find her there and just start watching some of the videos. I mean, again, that's free content. Uh, she gets to the point. She doesn't kind of, you know, take a long time to really get you to understand it. And it's just a fresh face, too, in a sense that she doesn't come off as an expert. I've been around this industry of people learning something and teaching it, and they're almost talking down to you. And Nikki doesn't do that. And Nikki is very open, and she'll show you her mistakes and, you know, take you along for the ride, which is great. And then personally, uh, people are going to be able to find you on Instagram at the same really fun Instagram handle, too, as well, yes. too? Okay. Or Rootless Living Mag. <laughs> there you go. That's not me, but that's the Rootless Living plug. <laughs> I love it. We saved it to the very end. Well, Nikki, I thank you for coming on the show. I, I really do hope this is going to inspire people that maybe think that they just don't have the type of job or the income or whatever it is, whether you're going full-time RVing or whether you just want to make some more money. Um, I've been around the retail arbitrage now for three and a half years, seeing my best friend be able to do it and make, you know, a good amount of money doing it. I think it's really something everyone should be looking at. So this was a lot of fun for me to have you, Nikki, on the show because we do get the the we question and sometimes I'll say Nikki and, and people are like, wait, who is that? So at least now they've gotten. You don't talk about me enough. I don't. I probably should. <laughs> but I hopefully on this podcast, we've we've made that very well known that there would be there would not be a rootless living without Nikki. So thank you, Nikki. My pleasure. Okay, first episode of 2021 in the books, and I'm just really thankful and grateful that you guys are back and rejoined us for another year of the Rootless Living Podcast. It was a ton of fun interviewing Nikki, and I really hope if you've had any questions about selling on Amazon, you'll reach out to her, but I will say before you reach out to her, head over to her YouTube channel, watch some of those videos. There's so much amazing free content that you can get, and then for some reason, your question's not being answered, then you can definitely reach out to her for sure. But also in and around the magazine, if you want to see your story in the magazine or you want to write for the magazine, you can reach out to her as well by just emailing collab at rootlessliving.com. And just a friendly reminder, if you enjoy the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, do me a favor, go ahead and share it on your favorite social media channel. And also, if you're using Instagram, we have a fun thing that we do every Friday. If you're following us and use the hashtag rootlessliving on your post, we will try to find you and share you as well on a Friday in one of our stories. So look for that. It's just a fun way for us to find out people in our community and then share others with the community, if that makes sense. And it's just something we do on Fridays, a little social Friday. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.